Pray with me. Oh God, we are desperate to hear from you. There's so much confusion around us. So many voices. So many opinions. But God, what matters in the end is what you think and what you say. So we pray that we'd hear from your word so clearly today, Lord. That we'd hear a word of encouragement and strengthening that we might be more rooted in you. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. How is everyone doing? I like that. Awesome. Good. I hear things that I like to hear. It is easy to get uh, discouraged right now. We're just talking about this in the sacristy before prayer. It is just so much craziness and chaos going on in the world. And uh, I told my deacon this morning, well, for whatever reason, I have two sermons, one on Romans 8 and one on Matthew 13. And I don't know what one I'm going to preach until I get in the pulpit. And I asked the Lord, I think the Lord is saying that we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13 today. So if you want to turn in your Bible there or follow along in your bulletin, um, the Barna uh, Research Group, which is a very well-known research group that does research permit primarily in the uh, realm of religion, uh, just did a study, and uh, the the, uh, results of that study, that finding, were that one in three Christians have stopped attending church altogether since the pandemic began, online and in person, just done with it. That we're talking about, maybe my estimate is about 25 million Believers, Here's a couple of interesting quotes from that study that I thought were interesting. One, they said, Respondents who have stopped attending church since during COVID-19 are less likely than their peers who are still attending the same church during the pandemic to agree with the statement, I am not anxious about my life as I have an inner peace from God. There's an interesting correlation there between staying connected to your community and having peace in the Lord during this time. Another quote said, practicing Christians who have stopped attending church in recent weeks are more likely than all other practicing Christians to say they feel bored all of the time. It's so clear to me that that people, even even Christians, are, are discouraged and anxious, they're losing heart, losing hope, becoming withdrawn, becoming fearful, losing peace in these turbulent times. And, and, and the Bible is clear that there's, there's, there's going to be a, a shaking of the nations and there's going to be a shaking of the church. And, and we're going to see, we're going to see an exodus from the church, from, from believers. And I'm not saying everybody who stopped attending church is, is now, now, uh, can be affirmed as, a, as an unbelieving heretic. But what I'm saying is that, that something is happening in the world and the temptation for us is to look at the situation with earthly and unspiritual eyes and just think, yeah, you know, we'll wait out and they'll get the vaccine and everything will go back to normal. Friends, it ain't happening. The world is not going to be the same. It's not ever going to be the same. The church is never going to be the same. We are moving into unprecedented times of chaos and disorder. And so the question that I think that we should ask today and the question that is being asked of us in Matthew chapter 13 in this parable is how can we be rooted in in the kingdom? Because if, if we don't have deep roots, as Jesus says, it's going to be easy to be swept right away. As things get increasingly difficult, 
It'll be easy to get swept away. So this is actually a very vital discussion. Jesus himself speaks about very clearly about many people falling away before his return. Whether it's by discouragement or distraction or difficulty or the devil's schemes, whatever it is, there's going to be many people who fall away from him. But you see, Jesus never leaves us without hope. Jesus never leaves us without hope because his desire is never to push people away, but to draw people closer, to challenge us to move closer into him so that we don't fall into that trap of falling away uh, because of what is going on around us. Because his heart, friends, is always for joyful intimacy with us. And I want that. I need that. I'm desperate for that right now more than I ever have been. I mean, can I just be honest with you? It's discouraging to be a pastor right now. It's being discouraging being told I can't visit my, my parishioners. I can't go, go visit them and pray with them. I mean, it's, it's hard. People are staying away from church because of, the, the, because of fear and because they, they can't wear a mask for an hour and a half. It's really, it's really, really difficult. But you see, the Lord, what the Lord wants to do through all of this, which on the surface and from an earthly perspective is very depressing. What the Lord wants to do is actually root His believers deeper in good soil and deeper in joyful intimacy with Him so that we'll come out on the other side of this sharper, more uh, closer to Him, better faithful stewards of what He has given to us. So let's look at Matthew chapter 13. I don't know about you, but these readings, the readings lately, for me, because of what's going on in the world, what I read in the Bible, whether it's here from the lectionary and preach on it or just in my own study, what I read from the Bible is like so much more relevant to me right now. It just feels like alive, like it's dripping with relevance for what's happening in the world right now. It's so important to be in the word because we, we see that it is living and active. It's eternal, right? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And, and so I think, again, we hit a passage in Scripture that is just so relevant for what we see going on in the world and so many people just falling away from church and just, just giving up, kind of throwing in the towel. So Jesus tells what um, we might call an agricultural parable. Right? He's living in an agrarian society, and so Jesus tells stories that make sense to the people uh, who are listening to them. And so he tells this parable... And we're not going to read through the whole thing again, but you saw he says there's four different kinds of soil. And he tells this parable about a sower, which is him, sowing his seed over different soils. Now, what's the seed? The seed is the message of the kingdom, right? God is, has arrived on planet Earth in the person of his son. Repent, turn from your ways and your current way of thinking and turn towards him and give your allegiance to him and find eternal life, okay? So the message of the kingdom is the seed and it's being proclaimed um, all throughout Jesus's itinerant ministry. He's always walking around and proclaiming the, the message and there are different responses to the message and he describes uh, that through the metaphor of soils and he describes four soils. One is the soil uh, where the seed falls along the path. And it gets eaten up by birds because it's on the path rather than in the soil. The other one is the uh, the rocky ground, which is shallow soil. And so there's no depth to it and it gets burned up by the sun. The third is thorns and the thorns choke out the word and they make it unfruitful. And then the fourth, of course, is the good soil that produces fruit. So we're going to look... Um, Really primarily starting down in verse 19 where Jesus explains the parables. Now let me tell you this. In between, if you, if you look at the reading, how it's printed in the, uh, in the bullets in there, you see that there's a chunk of verses that are left out. 
That's always hard for me. And I understand why they do it. They're trying to like just get, get to the, the, the main point. But there's important things that happen in those, in that invisible space that you don't have. And one of the things that we read is that Jesus, um, um, his disciples, his inner circle of disciples come to him and they're like, what are you talking about? What does all this mean? This parable of the sower. And he tells them, he said, you're, you're blessed because the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. The father in heaven has revealed the truth of who I am and the truth of the kingdom to you. And you're very blessed. But Jesus says, but not everybody is that way. And he goes and he quotes Isaiah and he says, hearing, they'll never hear, listening, they'll never or seeing, they'll never see. These people continue to remain hard hearted um, to receiving the message that God is speaking to them. But he says, but to you, something very special has been revealed because you are the ones who are pressing in close. Okay. So then then he goes into the explanation of the parable. And we read this. So verse 19 says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Okay, that's the seed along the path. So what do we learn from this? Well, what does he mean by does not understand it? Okay, a lack of understanding is, is, a, is a problem. You see, he said, but what he says is it makes us, a lack of understanding, it makes us pray, easy pray for the evil one. He says the evil one comes and snatches it away. Do you know Satan is not passive in trying to get your faith from you? He's not sitting in hell crocheting, waiting for you to come up to him and say, hey, could you steal my faith from me? He's, he, the first Peter chapter five says, stay alert, be sober. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, right? So he's not waiting around for it. He's a very active. And Jesus says that a lack of understanding of the gospel and the teaching of the kingdom makes us vulnerable to his attacks. Okay, so what then is the solution to that? How do we have a depth of understanding that will safeguard us against such things? Is Jesus maybe talking about, since he says understanding, does he mean we need to learn more theological facts or uh, memorize more of the Bible or learn how to read it in the original Greek or read more books. Now, all of those things can be helpful, right? I, I, I'm all for those things. But that's not what Jesus is getting at. Understanding the message of the kingdom is allowing the message to take root in one's heart and produce real, lasting transformation. It's receiving it into the depths of one being. It is to turn toward God with full surrender and say, I'm all in, Lord. I am following you no matter what the cost. And I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to follow you. That's, that's, uh, that is a soil that has understanding, right? But you see, what most people today, I think, from my observations, this should maybe I'll say many people, what many people today want from Christianity is a vague feeling that when they die, things will be hunky-dory with God and there's going to be these gates and St. Peter will be there and blah, 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 and he'll let you through because you did some really good works. But what they don't actually want is, is, is to really let God into the deepest places of their life. They actually just kind of want to live life and then they'll deal with the God stuff at the end of life. That's what a lot of, that, that's a lack of understanding of the gospel, right? It's like, Jesus, you, know, you can stand out there on the front porch, but uh, maybe I'll let you in deep into the living room and into the closets later at the end of my life. 
right? A lot of Christians just want that sort of vague sense of security. Really what I would call that is cultural Christianity. It's just cultural Christianity or nominal Christianity, just Christian by name. But really the kingdom hasn't taken root in your heart. And Jesus is saying, (laughs) beware. Beware of a lack of understanding. Now, as I said a minute ago, in the Gospels, the Gospel writers are very intentional about portraying something. And they portray um, two different, really, crowds of Jesus followers. And one is sort of what you might call the outer crowd. And they're the ones who are, they think Jesus is interesting. They kind of like the miracle working. They like that he can make a lot of bread out of a few loaves and fish. And they're sort of curious because everybody else is curious. And they're following him around. And they're getting some level of gratification by being around uh, Jesus. But then the Gospels also, the writers also portray this more of this inner circle, right? The twelve and others who are really pressing in. They're really staying close to Jesus. They're, they're making sure that they, 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 where he goes, they go. They're, they're hungry for his presence. There's something about them that's drawing them in that's actually starting to create change in their lives. That's the, the kind of people that the gospel is calling us to be, that inner crowd that's always pressing in, that's always right at the heels of Jesus, following wherever he goes. Where are you, Lord? What do you have to say to me today? What are the ways in which you're calling my life to transformation? Okay. So the question for us today is, is, is are we pressing in for that deeper relational experience with God? It will be very hard to survive, I think, the years to come as a Christian if all you have is just sort of a set of beliefs in your mind about God. But you don't have intimacy with the Lord. You see, we'll never survive what, what, what is coming, in, in, whether it's just discouragement or persecution or whatever, if we don't have that intimacy, if we don't know the Lord and that kingdom message hasn't taken root in our hearts. See, this outer crowd, they, they liked the pick-me-ups and they liked the principles that Jesus gave and the things like that. But you see, the inner crowd, they saw that it, it was about more than that. They saw that it was a life-changing message of salvation that would disrupt their lifestyles, their relationships, that they'd lose relationships with others, that they'd be rejected by others, that it affected their work, their moral lives, all of it. You see, there's, 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 in Christianity, there's what I call, there's pew occupants. And, uh, you know, someday eventually you have to sort of peel them out of their place in the pew. They've been there all their lives and there's a, you know, encrusted in there is the shape of their, their body. There's pew occupants that live that all their life. And then there are truly people who are what Jesus says, born again, born anew of the Spirit. They actually have had an encounter with God where they've actually believed on Jesus Christ for salvation and given everything over to Him and said, Lord, I belong totally to You. I want Your Spirit to come live in me. Cleanse me of my sins. I'm wretched without You. I have nothing without You and Your cross and what You did for me. You can be a pew occupant and not have that, right? Now, present company excluded, of course. But, but it's, 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 this is, this is a day and age where I think cultural Christianity, nominal, uh, in name only Christianity, Christianity confessed with the lips but not lived out in the heart or in the lives, it's just gonna crumble. It's just gonna, we're seeing uh, just loads of people just falling away. Now, the next, uh, the next soil, Now, remember, the first three soils are bad, so it's going to be kind of depressing for a few minutes, okay? (laughs) The the next soil, he says, the seed 
falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, everybody say that, no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So there's, he says there's an initial for this kind of soil. There's an initial uh, joyful reception. It's like that experience you have. Yeah, Jesus, I am so on fire. I went to the, I went to the conference and I got saved and I'm so on fire for Jesus and all of that. And I just, man, I just can't wait to be a Christian. But then Jesus says, but there's no, then there's no root. Right? Now I'm all for those kinds of experiences. I've had those kind of experiences. But, but the important thing is that that, that, that experience leads into roots that sink deep into the soil. That's, that's the kind of stuff that comes about by the everyday obedience and discipleship and just seeking God in the everyday, right? That's how the roots start to grow deeper, but, but more about that in a minute. So Jesus is describing, he's describing people who are at some level moved by external stimuli, but they lack inner conviction. They lack inner conviction. They lack a, the sort of inner life of the gospel. Okay, they like they like things about God. Like a lot of people in the world, you talk about, oh yeah, I was raised Lutheran, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, but but it's like so clear that they don't know the Lord, right? There's no real inner conviction that um, they're sinners in need of God's grace and need God to transform their lives. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the world. Let's be honest. So Jesus says, now how you know if someone doesn't have roots is the moment that trouble or persecution comes, whoosh, they're gone, right? They hightail it. I don't know about all that, right? They start questioning, I don't know about, I mean, I mean, I made the decision for Jesus, but, you know, I, I, you know, this whole thing I'm learning about, yeah, I guess if I believe in Jesus, I have to believe he's the only way to God, and that, that means that I actually have to sh- share that with my Muslim friends and my, my atheist friends and stuff. I don't know. So they're, then they're just done with it, right? They just, that's trouble, right? They see it, there's trouble, this is gonna be burdensome, this is gonna be discom- this, uh, uncomfortable. So because there's no root, they quickly fall away. Right? The evil one snatches them away from the kingdom. That's rocky ground, right? It's shallow. It lacks roots. So here's a question that I want to just sort of press into for a minute while we're on this soil. How do we get rooted? How do we get rooted? I think one of the basic, I mean, the basic, like foundational thing for this is, is that we need a, a resolute conviction inner conviction that we're deeply loved and accepted by God. That, that, that is something that, that some of us struggle with to really know that experientially. We need, a, we need a resolute conviction that when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we see Him hanging on that tree, we, we know and are so convicted of the love of God for us that we know He would never let us go. See, if we live our Christianity out of any other foundation, it's not going to have roots. You see, I love the, the Bible uses actually image of roots to talk about the love of God. Let me, let me just read this passage to you from, from Ephesians chapter 3. Some of you who are in the Ephesians Bible study have been studying this recently. But Paul, St. Paul is praying this prayer because he knows he's praying a prayer that these Christians would have power to endure, that they would have, have power to live the supernatural life of a Christian. But here's what he says. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many of us need that right now? We need God to strengthen us with his power in our inner being. Right? And he says, so that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, rooted in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What is the key to being filled with all the fullness of God? What is the key to being rooted in the kingdom? It is to have a resolute conviction that you know God's love for you, right? As 1 John 4 says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his only son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So believer, walk in confidence in these days of difficulty with the conviction and the knowledge that God has proven His love for you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Before you cleaned yourself up, Christ died for you. That's love. And I believe that many people fall away because they aren't rooted in the love of God. Because here's what happens. If you aren't convinced that you're loved and accepted by God because of what Jesus did, you will seek to be loved and accepted by the world. It's an identity thing, right? If I get my identity from the eternal love of God, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. It doesn't matter what my best friend or my family thinks of me. If my identity is in God and I'm following Him and I have His love and I know it, it doesn't matter, right? You'll say, I don't care what people think of me if I talk about Jesus or or stand on what the Bible says about some issue in the culture right now. I don't care what people think because I know Jesus loves me eternally. And I'm going to be with him forever. Right? You're not going to stand before uh, the Supreme Court. You're not going to stand before a president. You're not going to stand before some cultural organization that, that wants to promote ungodly things when you die. You're going to stand before God. So live for him. Know his love and walk in it with conviction. How do we <clears throat> become more deeply rooted It's a matter of being um, in a practical sense. It's a matter of being available for for God. And I don't don't mean, all right, God, I'm available. What good deeds can I do today? I mean available as in waiting on Him in the secret place, waiting on His presence. I've been reading um, a book from the 17th century by a lady named Madame Guillaume. She was a spiritual French mystic. And uh, she said this, God communicates Himself to us in proportion as we are prepared to receive Him. God's not holding Himself back. That's us. Right? So, um, Lee Grady says this, I love this quote, he says, nothing makes the heart colder than a lack of quiet time with God. I, I would say it like this, nothing makes your roots shallow like a lack of quiet time with God and just learning to be with God. Some of us are really good at being, uh, doing, 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 and then doing some more. And we need to learn to be. Be. Everybody say that. Be. Just be. Remember those old Calvin Klein perfume commercials? Just be. Be you. <laughs> Just be. Be a human being. Be with God. Wait on the Lord. Now, if you put daily intention 
into getting quiet with God, seeking his presence, meditating on his word, I guarantee that the roots of your spiritual life will grow deep. It's a guarantee. If you seek God with all of your heart, you will find him. It's his promise in his word. Psalm 1 says it like this. The first psalm in there says, Happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in due season. See that imagery of roots and, and being planted is all throughout Scripture. Okay. That's, that, that's Jesus. That's the voice of the Lord using this imagery to say, what I want with you is intimacy. I want your roots to run deep in me, in my presence, in my living presence. Now, finally, we get to our last depressing soil. And Jesus says, I've got my ribbons all out of whack today, so let me find my place here. He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You know how many uh, stories that I've seen in the 10 years of being a Christian of pastors who uh, started off with such a faithfulness, such a fire in their hearts for God and just such a great knowledge of his word, walked close to the Lord and eventually... Something came along, an attractive woman in the congregation, the opportunity to start making a boatload of money at your megachurch, and the deceitfulness of riches, the wealth, the distractions of the material world started to come up and choke the word and, and keep it from bearing fruit. It happens all the time. Every year I read about new uh, failures in ministry of big, well-known pastors who fail. Somehow, the allure of the world creeps in and it chokes the Word and its work and keeps it from continuing to be fruitful. That's a sad thing. But now think about, though, think about it. Have you ever thought about how easy it is to get caught up in material things? It's just so easy I mean, when you wake up in the morning, it's not our natural mindset to go, man, I am so ready to jump into my spiritual life today and live a spiritual life for Jesus today. You actually have to work towards that. I've been noticing in my own life, in the evening, when the kids go down for bed, and I sort of hear that inner voice of conviction saying, maybe you could meditate on my word and just spend some time with me. And I groan, and I'm like, oh, that's going to take like effort, and I'm going to have to use my mind, and I'm going to have to try to get my heart in the right place. But I could just turn on some YouTube videos and look at the funny cats or whatever it is, or watch a movie on Netflix. It's, it's, it's so much easier to get distracted and pulled into the material realities because um, pushing into spiritual realities, into heavenly realities, takes intention. Okay? But it's rewarding. The reward of it. You ever feel like really just filled with joy in life when the movie's over on Netflix? No, you don't. You start scrolling for the next one, right? It's all of us. We need more. I just watched a, finished watching a movie yesterday. It was awful. It was just violent and just got it over and I was just like, ugh. Why did I watch it? I knew when I started watching it that I shouldn't have even watched it. It's so much easier. And so we have to be intentional about getting before the Lord. Remember, 
God communicates himself to us in proportion as we are prepared to receive him. Okay. Now, that's where my sermon preparation notes ended. So let's just talk about good soil <laughs> for, for a minute. I'm going to go off the cuff here. So Jesus finishes the parable like this and he says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. I love this, right? There's the understanding and then there's implied the rootedness because it's good soil and it starts to produce, right? We, are, we have a wild like flower garden thing in our backyard. Some of the seeds, you know, when the 40-year-old does them, they scatter and they end up on the rocks, but some of them land in the soil and we water it and the rain comes down and we get these beautiful pink and yellow and blue flowers. This is the one who hears the word and understands it, right? It goes beyond the external stimulus of, I like the idea of knowing God. I like the idea of being in God's good graces. It goes beyond that and it sinks deep into the heart, into the, where the person says, I'm living for Jesus. He's everything. He's my everything. When that becomes a reality, the natural result, fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. What does Jesus mean by that? Why does he give different increments? Because we're all unique. And we all are going to contribute a unique amount to the work of the kingdom in this lifestyle. And some of, some, some of us want to throw in the towel because we look at our neighbor and we see that they're bearing a hundredfold and we're only bearing thirtyfold. And the enemy will come in and use that discouragement to say you're not good enough, right? We're good enough because Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're good because of Christ's goodness, right? Not because of our works. But we're all cut from a different cloth the Lord has knit us, each of us, together in our mother's wombs with unique talents and gifts and resources to use for his kingdom. And uh, I'll be glad to be on the 30-fold side. Mother Teresa's probably up there in the 100-fold. And I'll be glad to be on the 30-fold. But there's a unique array of gifts and talents and resources in the body of Christ to be used for the kingdom. Okay, So don't, so don't be discouraged. When you and don't compare yourself to others. That's a that's a fatal thing to do in the spiritual life is to compare yourself <clears throat> to others. When we read from heard Gordon read from Romans uh, chapter eight earlier, he read this verse, and it said, "The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace." I was going to ask this question, like if someone came to you right now with everything going on in the world right now and they said, hey, you can have total peace and life, abundant life, wouldn't you be like, okay, tell me more, <laughs> right? Yeah, I want that. I want life and peace. And God just made that promise to us in his word. And it comes from a mind that's governed by the Holy Spirit, a life that's governed by the Spirit of God, moving in, in perfect cooperation with him, moving in alignment uh, with him. Okay, that's where it is. So go deep, 
Go deeper with, with the Lord. That's his heart's cry for us. And I want to just, just encourage everyone because of what is going on in the world can just beat us down that the Lord wants to encourage. The Lord is an encourager. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the helper. He's the advocate. He's on your side and wants to move you closer into the life of Jesus. And so go deeper with the Lord and there find life and peace. Let's pray. So, Father, we are just at your mercy to receive encouragement from you spiritually in the depths of our soul, Lord, where there are uh, distractions in us, where there are uh, the things of this life, the material world and the temptations that are trying to just grab for our attention, clamor for our attention and pull us away from you and pull us away from church and pull us away from worship. God, we just pray that you would just make those voices quiet and that you would show us, Lord, how to better position ourselves to receive a greater portion of your presence, of your spirit, so that our roots will run deep. That we would, um, even on those days, Lord, when we're just not feeling it, would just continue to move forward, to press in, to know that you see all things, Lord, and that when your word is spoken over us, it never comes back to you without producing fruit. So God, give us hearts. Give everyone here today hearts of deep soil to receive the the, the message of the kingdom so that we can continue to move forward, Lord, in joy and in hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.